you know, a good and happy life isn't all about money. You know, once you have enough, there's a certain sense of enoughness. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Get Your Fill, Financial Independence and Long Life, where we explore ways to achieve those two goals. And we invite folks on to help us who have fantastic experience and information to share with us. And that's why today I'm very honored to be um, joined by Margaret Agard. Margaret is, uh, she didn't give me this information in this order, but I think it's pretty outstanding. She's a mother of eight. She's a former executive in the high-tech industry, which is not the, the norm <laughs> for women to be high, you know, high level, high ranking executives, especially, you know, probably when she was doing it. Cause I know she hasn't been doing that for a while. And she's also an author. She's written some memoirs and she has a lot of cool stuff to share with us today. Uh, Margaret, thanks so much for being with us. I'm happy to be here, Christine. I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. So tell us about, you know, kind of how you got, so to, where you are today is you have a philosophy of like, I'm going to do what I am going to do and, or I'm going to listen to my, that still small voice and, and take guidance of what I should do today. Yes. Yeah, so I, I started that in my mid forties, but what's interesting is I had a 20 year plan in my mid forties. And also my, my life was um, just over overwhelmed. I was a single mother, the sole financial support. I did have eight children. I mean, I still have eight children, but they, they were demanding, you know, financially it was demanding. Um, they were teenagers and in their early twenties and going to college and, um, and the high-tech industry on the level I was operating, which was mainly with the PC industry and software was starting to solidify. And so I had been able to move ahead pretty rapidly just by being um, smart. I want to say math smart. Okay. Not necessarily emotionally smart. Somehow I missed that gene. And then, but now that it was solidifying, people wanted you to definitely have a degree. So I had two semesters left to finish my degree and I just wanted to pound that out. And so I was going to school full-time. I was working full-time to support this large family and I had a large family and all of those were just jobs. By three full-time jobs. Basically. Yeah, three full-time jobs. <laughs> okay, so so I I knew how to set priorities. I knew how to sit there and say, what's the most important thing I should be doing today? And then do that thing first. Everything else would fall into place. Well, I had too much on that list to do it. I I would be, you know, this son has to be gotten to the doctor and this client wants this report and I have a paper due in the class tonight. That's how I would look at my day thinking, I, I don't know how I'm going to get it all done, but I would pick something. This is the most important. And it seemed often, not all the time, but often the thing I thought was most important and when to do didn't need to be done. The client would say, oh, you know what? We're not going to need that report. We've changed our mind. Or, I mean, they pay me for it, but still. And then the, or the class would be canceled. And they said, oh, your paper's not gonna be due till Friday. And I think, how am I supposed to know this? Like there were other things I could have been doing with that four to six hours. And I was only getting about four hours sleep a night during this time. And so I thought, well, uh, I know who knows. <laughs> I mean, there's a creator of the universe in my mind and I know how to touch into that voice. I'd been paying attention to that voice since I was in my early twenties. And so I had 
like 20 years of experience. And I just began to sit down with my day with that list that I'd made based on what I knew and would say, well, what, what should I be doing today? And as I went through my list, I would just think, okay, I don't need to do this. I don't need to do this. And my life gradually began to be reshaped because then some things would be added do this. And often it was just to help someone. You know, I didn't become Mother Teresa, but my neighbors got a few phone calls and maybe a dinner, who knew. So I would start to do those things too. And I, if I really only focused on what I was given to do that day, I knew it was all going to turn out. And I was finished by eight o'clock at night. I could just sit and relax, listen to my kids. And, and eventually I got this whole new life. So that, so that's why that's, oh, excuse me, I'm screaming into the microphone. That's why that's my message. <laughs> it's like, yay, just, just, it, here's how I, that's how I turn my life over to God or my higher power is I turn my day over because my day is my life. Right. Margaret, I mean, I have trouble listening. I, I shouldn't say that. I have trouble discerning which one of the many voices in my head is the voice, right? Because, you know, sometimes like, this is a silly thing. Sometimes I'll be leaving the house and I'll get this thing, this little nudge that says, oh, you know, you should bring this. And I think, and then another voice at the same time is saying, what do you need that for? Right. And it's so, so and that's this very silly, simple example, but no, it's, it's how it these, is. These are dueling voices all the time in my head. And I, how do you know which yes. one is the how one? <laughs> yes. Okay. So I have three ways that I do it. But in that case, Christine, what I do is I'm like, well, what's going to hurt to bring it? I just go get it. And, you know, once it was <laughs> so dumb, it was like, I'm in a writer's group, bring an extra pen to the writer's group. And I thought, okay. So I stuck one in my pocket and I sat in a different place than I usually do. And as we started to critique each other's pieces, the man next to me said, oh, I forgot my pen. I was like, aha, God knew. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who forgets a pen to a writer's group where you're going to be critiquing? But he did. So that, so that's one of the ways I deal with that. Christine is like, well, it wouldn't matter. Just do it. But the way I really learned to discern the voice, and I'm just going to mention this. I hope you don't mind. But usually the stories I share in here are in the books. People sometimes think, oh, I'd like to share that with a friend. They're in the books or they're on my blog. So in this case, it's in the book. When I was in my 20s, I heard a woman say, you know, I knelt and prayed. And then I know I'm supposed to wait until I hear something or write in my journal. And, and I was like, what? <laughs> I thought you just prayed and then got up and went about your day and either things happened or they didn't. So I went to God and said, I, um, I don't know how to hear your voice. I, and I would like to learn. And I don't even know how you could help me learn to hear it since I don't hear it like that. Right. So yeah, I have to kind of feel like a chicken and egg, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Which is, <laughs> so the answer started to come that week. Um, I was, like I said, I was in my twenties. I had some little children. I was starting to make a big pot of chili. Only this pot just got so big. I had to actually get another pot out because it was like, oh my gosh, this is huge. And the answer, and this thought came like you had this little nudge. So I'll invite the Jones family to dinner. And I thought, hmm, I was home to dinner Friday. It's Monday. I'm not going to do that. Doesn't make sense. They think that's weird. And so I'm working away on the chili and the thought comes again. 
invite the Jones family to dinner. And I thought, well, you know, tonight's the night we keep just for our family. And I have a little lesson plan for my kids. We're going to do a little scripture study. And then the thought came the third time. Well, invite the Jones family and invite them to stay for your lesson. And that's when I had, oh, I wonder if this is God. That thought, okay, I'll just do it. It's like thought. shouting at you at that point. Like you asked how to hear me now, pay attention. <laughs> right, you would think, but it's just the same quiet little voice over and over. I've never had one of those yelling stop you know my husband's had that like stop and then they get out and like look and the car's about to go over a little cliff so yeah no I've never had that I mean I would have gone over the cliff it's always very quiet <laughs> and so as I they came to dinner and we had our lesson well it happened to be on tithing and the benefits that come and it's interesting how many financial experts who completely leaving religion out of it will tell you give away 10 percent and it, it just keeps growing. It, it's like saying gravity works. Gravity works whether, <clears throat> however you, you believe, believe we have gravity. Yeah. yeah. So I, so we're teaching them about tithing. And at the end of it, the father of the Jones family says, need to tell you this. We were committed to paying tithing, but we had gotten behind and we wanted to catch it up. Now, I personally don't re- recommend it. I personally would say, just start where you are and start, fresh. start again. Yeah. But he wanted to catch up. And they got a check-in. He often did consulting. And it was enough to catch up their tithing or to buy food. Or maybe, you know, they could split it. But so anyway, he, and they were going to church. So he, he, they prayed about it and they decided to pay their tithing. And he said, by the time they left church that Sunday, they had invitations to dinner every night of the week, except Monday, (laughs) which was, and I thought, okay, so I know that's God. I don't always find out that it's God, but that week, three things like that happened. Wow. It was so consistent that I had this sense. If the quiet thought keeps coming back and it's not about whether or not I should eat that piece of chocolate, (laughs) no, because that one, you can go back and forth all day. But that should always be a yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Just stop arguing and do it. (laughs) Well, can I start a tiny little story here? Um, We, you know, for funerals, you take ham, right? So someone died in our, um, our group and just a couple of days ago, and my husband and I went and got a ham and it was one of those spiral hams that are wrapped in gold foil. You know, those, have you seen those? Yes. So as we're walking out of the store, I hear a little girl say to her mom, I have never seen a piece of chocolate that big before. <laughs> She's like, ah, so anyway, I um, love yeah, that. That's no, a great story. I, yeah. <laughs> but I'd like to. <laughs> yeah, that's what we were thinking. Uh, yeah. I had no idea what I was talking about before I had to tell you that. Um, You're talking about the Jones and the, and the voice. And the voice. If you right. hear the repeating of the voice, yes. it's the voice. Yes. So, and it's, I'm still have to do that because I'm like, is this God or my ADHD, you know, chiming in? And so Some similarities, I, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we should do this. Um, and anyway, so yes, often it, it does come three times and it's the third time. It, it, maybe they give up. He gives up after that, or maybe it just, uh, he would keep going, but I finally get it on the third time. <laughs> and the second thing I've noticed is it does help to journal. If I'm truly trying to find out something, I, as, as I journal after I've prayed, I'll suddenly realize thoughts are coming to me that aren't me. 
And that's how I know it. Sometimes I, I run into a book or sometimes people will tell me something, but often it comes from journaling. Mm-hmm. And the third thing is he, the voice is concise and uses words I know. I never have to go to the dictionary. Um, and so the, we were going to Alaska and I didn't particularly want to go on to Alaska. We were uh, working as missionaries at the time. And as so we were going to Alaska and I'm thinking cold, dark, oh, grizzly bears. And so as I'm trying to prepare, I said, what else do I need to do to prepare? And the thought came immediately. Often the thought is immediate. It was take a brisk walk every day. Now I know the word brisk. I never use that word <laughs> ever. I can't even think of a single time I've ever said, oh, it's brisk out. But <laughs> as we did it, as I read, heard it, that's what I thought. That's exactly how that voice speaks. It's very clear, very concise, doesn't multiply words. I mean, we all know brisk walk. It's not a jog right. and it's not, you know, walk along, smell the roses, get, get that heart rate up. So those are the three things I would say help me. Just so when you, when you pray, are you asking a question or are you just, I mean, how does that, how does the whole, like talk me through the whole process. So you have a problem, you know, maybe you don't know what to focus on. You have a lot of stuff coming at you. What's your process to get an answer to that? Well, he's, he has actually stepped me, I stepped me through my white life where a lot of things that I used to do, I no longer do. And is the idea of good, better, and best. I'm not the kind of person who has to choose between robbing the bank or <laughs> taking food to the neighbor. It's, you know, it's more like, am I going to, you know, practice my harp today? Or am I, what am I going to do? Or does someone need a call? That's why I know it's not me. Often someone needs a call and that thought comes But My process looks like this. I used to do it in the morning. The problem with doing it in the morning is that I'm already set on my plan. I am ready to go, and I really hate it when God tells me not to do what I have planned to do. I don't like to be micromanaged, but I have found that I, if I do it the night before, it's good. And most of us are kind of thinking about the next day, the night before anyway. Some of us write it down. Some of us don't. I'm talking to some people who write it down who, like me, if it's not on the list and I did it, I write it on the list so I can cross it off. And so, yeah, so at night, I can take that list. I've kind of thought through my day. And then I say that question. Now, I, instead of saying, what should I do today just to survive? It's what do you want me to do today? And as I look at the list, sometimes I think, well, this is a very short list. I mean, I'll be done by noon. And of course, things come up. But that's exactly how I do it. I listen. Um, because I, as, as I said, when I started this, I was in my 40s and I had started working to learn to recognize that voice in my twenties. I was pretty skilled at it, but it's not that hard to do to, I, I think you will you just sort of, and you could question yourself. You could question the voice. Is this you? But as I cross things off and as I add things, that's what really makes the difference. This story is in the book, by the way. Um, at one point, I said, you know, I, I, I really don't have time. I don't have room for you. We're going on a trip and we're going to be in the car and I'm going to be driving. And so there's really not much I can give you. Like the trip is, I've already prayed about the trip. I know we're doing the trip. But I said, you know what? I've got 10 minutes. If you can do something with 10 minutes, here it is. And the thought came to call a particular person. Now, I know lots of people 
but I called this woman and she was just not quite hyperventilating, but crying. And she just started spilling her story of what had happened. And I listened for about five minutes and I said, I got to tell you, I've got about five more minutes. She said, okay. And she just got <laughs> spilling her story. And at the end, she sounded so much better. And she said, I just, I just needed to talk to someone. Thank you for calling. And that is often what happens. Like I said, I, I'm not Mother Teresa. I'm not over in India. But the way my life has changed is that I'm often there when people need me to be there or someone needs to be there. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. And, through, and the way my life changed is I, I say I had this 20 year plan and a lot of women who listen to your podcast, they're looking ahead to their life. Like I'm, I'm 70 and my mom's 95. I'm like, what am I going to do with 25 more years? <laughs> so there's this thought, you know, and we can talk about the financial part later, but the thought was, oh my gosh, you can tell I'm 70. I just forgot where I was going with that story too. Christine, remind me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my life changed. Yeah. So as this sort of gradual thoughts would come do this, like when I was um, like, late 40s early 50s before blogs were big it was write your write your stories on the internet write your life not your stories your life and and I came across this site open diary which was you could write in it and be anonymous and people could comment and and so I began to write all these stories these things that were happening to me stories like about the 10 minutes and as I after I'd done that for a couple years the thought came I want you to make a book and I thought, I, I don't have a clue how to make a book. <laughs> Often that's my thought. I don't have a clue. Um, <laughs> and, and so I started to bring all the stories out and try to rewrite them. So they were more, you know, like formed or something. And the thought came, no, th that is the book. Stop trying to fix it. Just what, however you wrote it there, people responded on open diary. They'll respond. Just that's the book. And that became my first memoir. Wow. Yeah. So. Uh, instead of here was my plan. My plan was I was going to stay single. My plan was I was going to work for 20 years for this company that had a 20 year growth plan. When my youngest son graduated from high school, I'd be able to travel and I would move up rapidly in the um, executive ranks because I was limited by how much time I could travel with being a single yeah, mom. Yeah. Yeah. I needed a wife. I couldn't get one. And so, <laughs> <laughs> we all need one. <laughs> yeah. We all need one. And so, um, and I was going to live by a lake. And um, at some point, like right now, I was going to go off and serve missions because kids would be raised and I would be retired. And that was my plan. Well, God's plan was that I was going to get married again. I was going to stop working in the high tech industry. I was going to write books. And I, I, it turns out I like his life a lot better than the one I had planned. Yeah. I love this life. So. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? And that was one of those things where he, he would tell me things in advance sometimes, that voice. Was, you're going to meet the person you're going to marry in the fall. There, I, you know, the, the, there was no punctuation in it. So I thought I was going to meet and get married in the fall, but it was actually you're going to meet the person you're going to marry, comma, in the fall. Meaning you're going to meet him then, but you're not going to marry him then. So, oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's when that happens, like, so you get a little voice that says, I'm going to meet the man I'm going to marry. Are you suddenly like looking for someone that you wouldn't have been looking for before more open to the idea? 
Well, it takes a while. Um, because <laughs> what I said back was, listen, I realize I'm in a bind right now, but it's a short-term bind. And I have two teenage boys at home, I, two teenage boys, stepfather, I'm not seeing it. And I really don't want another husband. It, my first marriage wasn't particularly happy. And so I thought, you know, I have a short-term problem and you're offering me a long-term solution because after those boys are raised and I'm through this financial hump, then I'm going to be stuck with a husband. And I'm not looking forward to that. <laughs> so that's kind of how it starts. It's often starts like that. It's okay. You can be you. I mean, you're trying to become better, but that, but he'll respond to that. You know, if I was sort of pretending, oh, okay. But inside I was thinking, no way. Um, so I, I get to say, I don't see, I don't see, I don't see the advantage to me in this. <laughs> sure. The guy's going to be happy, but what about me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I don't know. You know, I'm sure there are plenty of men who are like, thank goodness, dodge that bullet. <laughs> She's not in my life. But it, <clears throat> often I don't know where it's headed. When he, when I had the thought, write your life on the internet, it wasn't because that's going to turn into a book and then you're right. going to become a speaker. You get one, one, one step at a time. So you didn't get overwhelmed. Yeah. Yeah. And Cause if you had said, if, if, if you would have got the, the word, like write this stuff and, and then it'll, and then turn it into a book, it would have been like, you would have been an analysis paralysis, right? And you never would have got that yes. first story out. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Right. This isn't yeah. good enough for a book. I've got to rewrite it. Oh my gosh. Right. Yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had a chance, you know, to hone my writing skills. I watched it to how, how people responded to what I was writing. And yeah, it's true. I mean, it is, that's a perfect way to kind of like, what are people resonating with? What are they liking about this story? Because you're getting that immediate feedback. Yes. Yeah. And you say, okay, that one didn't get much response. What was boring about this one or what wasn't as good about this one? So what I see is people who, who do this, they do get different lives than they expected, but they were in essence better lives than they expected and so it's it, it's happiness it's happiness from doing that yeah and you, sometimes yeah go ahead no no you go ahead i'm gonna i was gonna change to a different track so you finish your thought i was gonna tell about a woman who um was praying because she didn't have enough time with her kids and she was married and she worked and the thought came um go back and get your, I can't remember if it was her master's degree or a doctorate. So then for the next two years, she was busier than ever. She's like, well, this doesn't look like the right answer because now I have even less time with my kids. But when she finished, she was able to get it on a university. Her husband was also able to get a job there. So they, their kids would be able, it was in a state system, would be able to go to college for free. And she was able to keep her hours down to a lot less than it had been before and she was able to be home with her children a lot more. So she made a sacrifice that looked like, Oh, I'm going in the wrong direction, but it was the right direction. I mean, you have to have a lot of faith to do something like that because you're going to think, you know, this, you know, I said, I want more time with my kids and you're suggesting that I go get a doctor, which is going to take me 20 times longer. Right. It's like, yes. make me, make me even less accessible. You have to trust. And yeah. So I think that we are given time to build up that trust. We're given small things at first. Just do this. Make, make, invite the friend to dinner, you know, small things. And after a while, as we see it working out, then we're willing to trust in the larger things. And it's often 
and I had a similar experience where I knew it was from God or that inner voice. I knew this is what I was supposed to do. And it was about a year that we felt like we needed to move across country. And my kids were teenagers. The oldest ones were just becoming teenagers. And the move was so hard on them that if I hadn't known it was what was the right thing to do, I would have been doubting myself the whole time. I shouldn't have done this. But eventually things worked out. They were happier looking back. They said, I'm so glad we moved here rather than staying in the small town where we were. Now I wanted to move to the East Coast, DC area, where they could meet a lot of different cultures instead of like small Midwest town where it's all not. Yeah, true. True. More insulating. Interesting. So you were talking before about how your finances also changed during this process. Yes, it seems as if I was always behind $200 every month. (laughs) I mean, I was making good money as an executive, but, you know, I had a large family too. So it wasn't like there's two people working and two kids. There was one person working and eight kids. And so I just worried about it constantly. And finally, and I would feel that it was going to be all right, but then it wasn't all right. Now, is it going to be all right? Oh, the car broke down. It's going to be all right. Oh, you know, the heater just broke. So I finally went and said, I know that faith and fear don't mix. Like you, whether you're, however you go about manifesting, if you fear, it's not going to happen. And I can't stop fearing. This has been going on for a couple of decades now, and I, I don't even know how to get over it. And I got an answer. It was, I want you to write um, thank you letters every day for six months. And also say the scripture, which was the earth is full. There's enough to spare every day. And so I did that. I wrote 180 thank you letters. I, I know gratitude works. I didn't know it before then I'd heard it. And it wasn't just sit down, write five things in my journal. I had to actually think of a person who had impacted my life in a positive way and write and tell that person how and why they had impacted my life in a positive way. And so, I mean, there, I was stretching at times, you know, like dear Miss Gravelly, thank you for being my wonderful first grade teacher. You know, this, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say like the first month or two, Hey, that's easy. Right. Mom, dad, you know, whoever, like (laughs) get all the, all the, uh, you know, really close people. And then by the end of it, I'd be thinking like, Oh God, do I even know anybody else? Right. And that's a lot of letters. Right. And you're looking around who maybe today. And so remember, I told you about that book, um, 365 days of thank yous. And he had the same experience and he was, you know, writing to his clients. He was a lawyer, you know, <laughs> writing to the billing department. Thank you for paying your bill. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and so, and, and it all had a positive impact on his life. And I have never worried about finances since then. I mean, it just it cleared up. I just, if I start to worry, even the tiniest bit, I immediately go to gratitude. If I'm on the computer, I'll just, whatever website I'm on, I'll go down to that contact me button and say, thank you for putting the site up. Let me tell you how much this information helped me. And they will write back. I mean, I'm on Lady Bird Johnson's site saying, hey, thanks for sharing this stuff about these flowers. And they're writing back, <laughs> you know, we don't have anyone in your state. And I was like, well, you're welcome, but no. But, you know. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, like, I can definitely see a 
first of all, you're distracting yourself from your money because, or your lack of money, because you have to spend all your time thinking about who the heck you're going to write your letter to (laughs) and just doing that. Right. I mean, knowing that you're, when you do something like that, when you write, like I just sent out, I have actually haven't sent them out yet. I have to go to the post office, but I have three gift cards that I'm sending out to people, you know, new baby, new house, and, you know, some, a client that I worked with and just like writing the notes and knowing how they're going to feel and be excited when they open them and things like that. It just, it does, it makes you feel good, right? That's the big, that's the big secret about uh, giving is that it actually makes the giver (laughs) feel at least as good. (laughs) Right. And so somehow that, that fear was gone. I think part of the reason the fear was gone because I was writing these thank yous is because I did realize how much people helped me. And when you're afraid, sometimes you're looking around it just feels like you're alone. And also that statement, the earth is full, there's enough in despair. I really began to see that. Like, you know, even if I grabbed a jar of air, it's filled with stuff, you know, dust particles or whatever. Um, I see food all over, you know, for a while, my kids and I did scavenging things and I'd be like, well, I could eat that. I could eat this. <laughs> I can eat a dandelion. But yeah, you might just, not want to, but yes. <laughs> well, it turns out we do kind of like it if you cook it right. But you know, they brought them over. The reason there's dandelions in America is the Europeans brought them because they ate them. Yeah, yeah. And I th- think sometimes, what if we went 200 years in the future and people were complaining because all these apples were falling on the ground? Mm-hmm. And they were like, "You should eat them." And they're like, "People don't eat apples." That's kind of <laughs> how we are with dandelions. People don't eat dandelions. It'd be like, "Well, your ancestors did." Yeah. My dad used to fry up dandelion greens, you know, like saute them and eat them. They're a little tart for me, a little bit um, sharp Mm -hmm. flavor, but yeah, I mean, certainly in a pinch. No, we took the little yellow flowers and dipped them in flour. We put flowers in the flour and fried them up. They were good. (laughs) The other flour. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, why not? That's um, the same thing with, they do that with um, like pumpkin blossoms and squash blossoms. Sure. You can, you can saute them, put them in salads, you know, fry, you know, like you say, dip them in flour and kind of fry them, right? all right. kinds of stuff. There was this other story I wanted to share, um, Christine, because, a, you know, a, a good and happy life isn't all about money. You know, once you have enough, there's a certain sense of enoughness. Right. And once you're past the fear, you know, like, no matter how much I have, it's not going to be enough. There's other things. And, and during this time, um, it was right after the marriage ended and I was lonely. That's how I felt. I felt lonely and, you know, there's always men and, but I didn't want that. I did want a good friend. And so I even kind of described her. Here's why I want someone who, you know, really get me and that I understand her and a huggy type. I, I, I needed some physical affection. I just wanted some hugs. And so I'm doing that thing. What should I do today? And I remember, I I don't remember doing it, actually. She tells the story that apparently I showed up at her house with a dinner. And we were going to the same church, but we didn't know each other. And she was like, I don't know why that woman brought me dinner, but I want to be her friend. And so we started doing some things together. And she became like my best friend, like in third grade, only we could drive. Also, we had wallets with money. So, you know, it worked well. And I just think about that, that 
I prayed for a friend and I did an act of service and I ended up with this best friend. Cool, huh? You reminded me of a situation. I was at a trade show, like a convention. I'm a real estate agent. So it was like a real estate convention in, I think, Seattle or somewhere far away from me. I'm in Boston. And I was just standing there by myself at the, you know, when they have a little coffee time, whatever, just stand there by myself, like looking at the agenda. What am I going to do? And this guy walks up to me and he's just like asking me questions and talking to me and stuff like that. And telling me about his family and his life and stuff. And he said, you, um, and I'm saying this because it seemed like this was the, I wasn't apparently listening to the voice. So And he said, you know, you know, why don't you have a, a man in your life? And I said, I don't want a man in my life. You know, like, just like what you were saying, I don't need the hassle. I don't need the drama. I'm happy as I'm very happy as a single person, whatever. And he somehow, um, he, by the end of the conversation, he said, go back to the, when you go back to the room tonight, make, you know, describe the person, describe your ideal man as if you have already met him and, you know, tell me all the, and you're telling a friend about him. So I, I you know, I said, Oh, it's ridiculous. And I went back that night and I wrote my thing, you know, Oh, you know, so excited that you're going to meet my boyfriend and he's this and he's that. And he's the other thing and blah, 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 blah. And he said to me, you already know him. And I'm like, oh. I know all the people I know and I do not know right. anybody I want to date. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And it was so funny because it's, a, it was, it's a guy and he's actually in my house right now. And this yeah. was like eight years ago, a guy who had done some work in my house and, you know, we, he lived he had a shop down the street and we sort of stayed in touch and whatever. And after I don't know, knowing him for like a year, he, he, he did then end up asking me out and, you know, and then it was just sort of like, went from there. and when I looked back, the only thing that he didn't have on the list was that he's not, not currently a good dancer. Oh. But I, but I know he, he could be right. But he just right. hasn't, he's, we have to practice, you know, <laughs> well, you know, that's what, that's what actually happened to me when I was like, you're going to meet the man you're going to marry in the fall. And I was like, hmm. And, and eventually, I, you know, I got around to it. I said to my aunt, I know God's trying to give me a gift, but I don't want the gift. And she said, well, I, how do you know you don't want the gift? You haven't met the gift yet. But I had that same experience only from God. It was like write down the 10 top 10 things you want, you would want in a husband. And, and that's exactly what I did. And that's exactly what I got. And then it here. So part of me says, you know, I thought there were some things that went without saying. <laughs> so I didn't put them on the list. <laughs> yeah, it, that, it's true, right? My yeah. list was so specific. I even was like, he's, he's taller than me so that I can wear heels, you know, when we go out yeah. and stuff like it was so specific, like right down to the, you know, yeah. because I actually thought about the people who I was thinking about in my life and why don't I want to date this person? So you know, I just put stuff in there like, okay, that's why this person is not applicable, you know, and I did, it was really very anal list. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm glad I did that. Right. Because, you know, I mean, there's nothing wrong with a shorter guy, but I kind of like, you know, a taller guy, I kind of like being able to wear heels sometimes, you know, like just silly stuff, but. Yeah. Well, I put things like, you know, good sense of humor manages his money. Well, that kind of thing. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and thinks I'm great. And then, but what I left off was, um, likes to eat what I like to eat. And so my first husband 
is lacking an enzyme, he can't eat red meat and he didn't like fish. That doesn't leave a lot to cook with. So oh, we wow. did a lot of vegetarian meals. Well, it turns out my second husband doesn't like onions or green peppers <laughs> and is allergic to mushrooms. So try cooking that way. Like, oh, really? Like every recipe in the world starts with chop an onion. Unless <laughs> 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 it's pie. But yeah. So I it's was funny because like, those what? are the three things I won't eat. Mush- mushrooms, peppers, and onions. Oh, there you my go. My poor Italian boyfriend, right? Same I thing. Know. He to cook. Like, what the heck am I going to make for her? <laughs> exactly. Next, she'll tell me you don't want any garlic. <laughs> oh, that would really be a <laughs> Yeah, we have kind of worked our way around. He's still okay with leeks. And, you know, okay, that's enough on that subject. But, yes, it was like one of the things I didn't think, well, you know, I only had 10. Didn't occur to me to put that down. Right. But, if you if you want to give me 50, we have yeah. a whole different situation here. <laughs> probably didn't want to go that far. <laughs> awesome. So Margaret, what, like, what are some tips? Like if someone's kind of struggling and they know that, you know, they, they can't help themselves out of the situation that they're in, right. That they know they need some kind of external guidance or assistance or whatever. Like what advice would you give to people to help to get them onto the right groove and the right path? Well, I, I would say just what I've been saying that I would start with today like just today and it's a step-by-step process say what do you want me to do today and just do that if you tried that for a week i think you would get committed and the second thing that i know is if you're praying for something and an opportunity to be of service comes up take it because that's the way to your answer i what i know about service is we either it's because of our service or through our service that we get what we're looking for. Yeah. And that even, even like psychologically, even if you have absolutely no belief and you think that you're alone on the planet and there's no higher power, just helping other people makes you feel more generous. It makes you feel, I mean, there's all these studies, right? If you, if you, um, they did this thing with $5. They gave people $5 and like some of them could keep it and buy something for themselves. Some of them could save it. And some of them had to find somebody to give it to a complete stranger to give it to. Right. And by far the people who gave the $5 to a complete stranger reported much higher levels of, of, you know, feeling good and happiness than any of the other categories. And when we feel good and happiness, that attracts good, happy things into our lives. It really exactly. does exactly. work. I have yeah. a son who gets depressed and when he runs, he gets out of it. And I would ask him sometimes, have you been running recently? And he said to me, you know, mom, running doesn't solve problems like these. I said, no, but if you run, you have the energy to solve the problems like those. Right. Now, I, I'm not a runner. I, I finally got a rowing machine because I get to do it sitting down. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't there an exercise that doesn't involve sweating? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> It's not ladylike. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. So Margaret, how can people get in touch with you? How can they buy your books? How can they, you know, learn more about you, read your stories? So in hisfootsteps.com, right on the first page, there's the books and how you get them. There's my um, social media links are there. And the, and there's a, Some of my videos are there. There's kind of one of those scrolling things on the bottom and it'll show some of the stories that I haven't shared on here. 
that are there that are in the blog. And also there's an opportunity to get a newsletter. Two of my books are out, the third one I'm working on. And I like to promise people, you're not going to get spammed. I'm too lazy to spam you. You'll be lucky to get one newsletter a month. That's it. <laughs> Perfect. Awesome. Margaret, thank you so much. It's been such so great talking to you and meeting you. Um, anything that you wish I would have asked you, anything imparting that you want to, you want to say? You know, I can't think of anything, Christine, you've been a great host. <laughs> awesome. Okay, good. Well, thank you. And thank you listener for listening. I know you have a choice of about 2 million podcasts and I'm really grateful that you're here listening to Margaret and I chat and talk about our <laughs> lives. <laughs> <laughs> And I hope you'll join us again next week and share this episode with somebody who you know likes to laugh. <laughs> <laughs>